This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the Jeff Merrick Show. Matt Marchese filling in for Jeff. He is... What time is it? Noon Eastern. He's on his way to Lake Placid for one of his son's hockey turns. That's one place I would love to get to. I just need to have kids that play hockey to go to Lake Placid because I can't see another reason for me to make the trip out there. But hey, uh, good luck to uh, Jeff's young son who is in a tournament this weekend. Hopefully they bring home a championship. Uh, Elliot Freeman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts will join us shortly. Uh, recap what the heck that was last night between the Leafs and the Senators. Uh, Eric Erlinson from Lightning, lightninginsider.com. Talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, of course. And uh, what a season so far for Nikita Kucherov. We need to stop being surprised when this guy puts up big numbers because it's very, very common right now. Uh, Arda Ocal from ESPN will join us fresh off his new contract extension. The MO is back on the Jeff Merrick show. And uh, at the bottom of the next hour, Megan Angley from DNVR sports covering the Colorado avalanche. She had a sit down with two legends, Peter Forsberg and Joe Sacco. We'll talk to her about that among other things, Colorado avalanche, but boy, that game last night between the Ottawa senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs, it was a big one for Ottawa. Not so much for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but the only way that you can describe it is Ron Burgundy in the in Anchorman with the, well, that escalated quickly. Uh, and boy, did it ever. Three goals in three minutes for the Ottawa Senators in the third period. And uh, they win that one, six to three. Um, I mean, just a poor defensive performance from the Leafs. Um, Sheldon Keefe was very, very agitated after the game, uh, answering questions before they were even finished. And uh, the Leafs lose yet another one, giving up four goals at home in the process once more. Elliot, the aforementioned Elliot Freeman joining me now from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Freach, how are you today? I'm good, Marchese. How are you doing? I'm good. So I had to tell you this because... Do you have any, do you have any awful takes you want to start the show with? Like Lidstrom's better than Orr or anything like that? Like I feel that... Your brain turns to mush when you sit in that chair. No, no, I don't have, okay. well, give it some time. There's, it's a two hour show, Elliot. Like I may not have it right off the top, but I did want to say this because, and I don't mean to get uh, super, um, emo- not emotional, but whatever. It's around this time, 12 years ago. And you definitely do not remember this, but I was an intern here and, um, I said, you asked who I was and I said, I'm just an intern. I don't matter. And you said, everybody matters, especially interns. And that was 12 years ago around this time. And now I get to talk to you on the air. So I want to, I want to tell you that I appreciate that comment from 12 years ago. I will never forget that. You know what? You shouldn't tell these stories, Marchese, because then people might think I'm actually a decent person. <laughs> I think we all know that you're a decent person. Um, before, uh, you know, I, 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 but for anybody who might be listening, I don't like that. I shouldn't joke about that. Like for anybody who might be listening, who is thinking about breaking into the business and might be uh, a little bit intimidated about doing it, I always say this: like, uh, uh, you know, I, I think most of the people I work with. I would have the same opinion as I do. I would say the vast majority. And I always say to people, when you're going into a new office, uh, be seen, not heard. Because people who can, uh, people who work there, they know who's there all the time. They, see, they, they know who makes the good effort. They know who does good work. And when you're first starting out, it's always better to be seen and not heard. So 
that's what I would say to people. If it, if it helps you get started. Yeah, I would agree with that. And be a nice person because uh, that goes a long way in this business as yeah. well. Um, that's the obvious one, but okay. Uh, we ha- we do have some news. Uh, the Calgary Flames have recalled Dustin Wolf. This is just breaking now. Um, I don't I don't know what the the co- if there's a corresponding move, but we do know that. Um, I know the Flames are in Toronto tomorrow, uh, so we'll we'll talk about them. But any thoughts on, on Dustin Wolf getting the the recall today? Well, you know, I think everybody wants to see it. Um, there's there's no um, there's no doubt about that. Um, this is a guy who has shown that uh, that he is uh, ready for an NHL look. There's really not much more he can uh, accomplish at the AHL level. He's been MVP a couple of times. He has been a critical part of a really good team in the American Hockey League. Um, you know, I. I think this year, in a lot of situations, he might have been in the NHL already, but Calgary had two goalies there, and sometimes circumstances go against you. I will say this. He didn't have a great camp. Like, I I think he had to have a really good exhibition season in the sense that he had to really convince the Flames that they absolutely had to have him. And the way he played the exhibition season didn't quite accomplish that. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that's a big deal. He's a really talented guy. He's a great story. I remember being at the draft where he sat there until the seventh round, and fi- and I've always rooted for him because of that. Um, I'm really I'm really interested to see him. I uh, I think he's got a real bright future. And uh, you know, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing him on this Eastern swing. Uh, okay, about last night. So watching that Leafs Ottawa game, and it was, it really felt like it picked up in the third period. Like it, it was fine during the first two periods, and then you know the Leafs get the goal to tie things up at three, and then Ottawa just blows the doors open. Uh, we heard from Sheldon Keefe and and his post game comments and not letting reporters finish questions, and and he's clearly frustrated, uh, especially talking about you know we celebrate guys that score goals, but we don't talk enough about the guys that prevent them. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from last night? Well, you know, the one thing I, I do is we, we, a lot of the times we look at, um, a lot of the times we look at or, or read what people say. Sometimes it's more important to look at how they say it. And, you know, obviously I worked last night. Um, you know, I, I worked last night and I saw, uh, I saw the post game and, you know, Keith, he was terse. And the one thing that stood out to me, not that I blame him, but the one thing that stood out to me was he, he was answering questions before they were finished being asked. Like the reporter would ask like the first six words. Keith would know exactly where they were going and he was just going. And when you get a person like that, they're really agitated. Like to me, it wasn't only what Keith said last night. It's how he said it. He was upset. He was agitated, and you can see he's at his wit's end with this. You know, the thing is, and, and I was talking about this this morning, Matt, I, I, boy, I, like, I, I don't like kicking people when they're down, so I'm, I'm trying to be as careful as with this. They have a re- like this, the Klingberg situation has become a, a real problem. And, I, and, like, here he is. He's never played in Canada before. I can only imagine 
what he's going through as his game gets picked apart in the Toronto spotlight. Like he, he's played in Dallas, he's played in Anaheim, he's played in Minnesota. He's never experienced anything like this. And I've and I've seen people kind of say, okay, it's. I've seen people kind of say, okay, you got to deal with it. But when you've never done it before, it's really hard. That first time is really hard. And, you know, like if you watch those goals last night where he's on the ice, everybody is trying to compensate because they see, like, Keith talked about how you have to help that other person. I saw evidence of them trying to help Klingberg, like guys going to try to help him. And then what happens is one guy's out of position and all of a sudden five guys are out of position. And like, this is like, you could say it's X's and O's. I think they found a spot for Domi, but all the other new guys are really struggling, really struggling. And I just think that they either have to change kind of what they want to do, or they're going to have to change their lineup because a lot of these pieces aren't fitting right now, and it's getting to the point where they're going to have to try something new. Uh, one more on the Leafs before we move on to Ottawa here. Um, that was not an award winner from Joseph Wall last night, and no. and and they've they've given up goals at home at an incredible clip, four plus in every game. I think it was the first time since seventy six, seventy seven that they've done that. Um, but what's the bigger issue here for the Maple Leafs? Is it the goaltending tandem of Wall and Samsonov, or is it the defensive unit? And maybe they're just not good enough to defend as a unit that, you know, maybe we thought they could get away with because, hey, they can score goals now because they've added Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi and John Klingberg should add some. Uh, what's the bigger issue for you right now? Well, I think actually Wall has been pretty good uh, for most of the year this year. Samsonov, as we know, has struggled. But I think Wall, like, that was just a really rough night for Wall. Um, like, the third one especially went right through him. But generally, I think he's been pretty good. Um, like, to me, it's not just the defense. Like, I, I really do believe that defense is a team thing. Yes, there are defensemen and there are forwards, but you play defense as a team. And they just aren't defending very well. Um, Look, if, you, if you're not going to get saves, everybody is – if you're not going to get saves, then you're not going to look good no matter who is playing. And last night they didn't get saves. They didn't look good. But they're not defending very well. They, ju- they just aren't. They're not – like, defense is an attitude. They just don't have that attitude right now. And it's making – it's dragging the whole thing down. Uh, one of the beneficiaries last night of uh, a lack of defensive structure was Tim Stutzla. And four-point night, he looked, he, for whatever reason, he looked a lot faster last night than he does in other games. I know he's a fast player, but he looked really fast last night. 90 points last year. And the way he started off this year and how impressive he's looked, it really does feel like last year was kind of the tip of the iceberg for him, doesn't it? Sorry, who was that you were talking Tim about? Tim Stutzla. Yeah, you know, I like... You know, I obviously I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Stutzla because you know he does ridiculous stories with me. So I uh, you know I, I really like the guy. Um, you know, look like I, I think he's too talented not to be. I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself. I do, and it's it's kind of like we were talking about like 
the most important thing is, like, Matt, you know, if, if you have a bad show on radio, which I know never happens, but if you have a bad show on radio, you learn, you, you can't let it grind you. You have to, uh, you have to learn from your mistakes and then move on to the next show. And like, I, like I've been watching Stutzla, he's been grinding and maybe yesterday was the game that it turns him around and gets back in the, in the right way. But he's just too good to not to be playing. Like he's just too good to play. Like he was playing. Yeah. And, and that whole team, that was a, that was a big one for Ottawa last night, at least to calm the waters. And and the fact that it was, I feel like the fact that it was Toronto quiets the home crowd a little bit more in Ottawa, especially because you never like to lose to the Leafs, but when you, you know, you win in that type of fashion and, and with all the noise surrounding the coach and the captain now and, and everything that's gone on off the ice, I feel like that at least gives them a little bit of a breather here. Well, I, I absolutely feel that way. Like, you know, people love to beat Toronto. Organizations love to beat Toronto. Fans love to beat Toronto, particularly when you're <laughs> – I was at a game. Uh, I was at a game a few years ago in Ottawa. And like the Ottawa beat the Leafs was when I when I was still in the field, and like uh, and uh, I remember walking out of the building and there were some Leaf fans and there were some Sanders fans, and the and the Sanders won the game and the Sanders fans and the Leafs fans, you know we beat you tonight. That's a big win for us. Like it was a taunt, and the Leafs fan looked at me. You think if we you think we care if we lose to Ottawa? There's much more important teams. It just deflated <laughs> the guy. And. I, I think Ottawa kind of had like Ottawa has that kind of complex, when it, especially when it comes to Toronto and Montreal. But you know, teams teams hate the Leafs. Teams love beating the Leafs. Um, and, but look, they had a lot of excuses to blow that game last night. They they fell behind early. They scored quick. They blew a couple of one goal leads, and they found a way to win. Like that's and the other thing too, I really do believe Marchese is. When you talk like the Senators talked on the weekend, and I'm all for it, we got to make this more exciting, uh, this league more exciting, you have to back it up on the ice. If you're going to back your coach and you're going to tell your fans to lay off, you got to back it up on the ice, and they did. Yeah, they sure did. Uh, okay, Edmonton. So Jack Campbell clears waivers, much to no one's surprise. How aggressive do you think Ken Holland is in the goalie market right now? Or do you see them giving Calvin Pickard a bit of a run here with Stuart Skinner to see if he's able to help carry the mail? Like, obviously, tensions are really high in Edmonton. And, boy, if they lose this one tonight. I mean, the the Flyers screwed this up for everybody by losing the other night to San Jose. But, you know, I, I am with Jeff that I do cheer for chaos. Um, how do you think this situation goes in Edmonton? Because I, I know you pointed out in, in your 32 thoughts piece about, you know, the rumors surrounding Jordan Bennington, but there's no reason for St. Louis to take Jack Campbell back in that deal. So in order to make that work, you've got to pay a premium to another team to take on Jack Campbell at this point, don't you? Yes. And, and first of all, uh, let me just uh, say that, you know, you mentioned the wolf, um, um, uh, you mentioned the wolf situation. I think that's more of an injury precaution than a trade thing with Calgary. I was just, okay. I was just, I was just trying to check and see what that was. And it sounds like, I don't know if it's because they're coming East or one of their goalies has got something, but it sounds like that's more of a, of an injury situation than a trade situation. Um, anyway, well, uh, you're asking about the others. Yes. So yeah. look, like, 
Please change the tone down the way they were going. Um, they, they had to do something. I believe they have looked into other things. Um, you know, the banking one, I saw that reported. You know, like the number one thing is, and I don't know that this is particular in banking's case, but the one thing that a lot of people said to me was, when you are, when you are, when you are looking at this, you have to remember that a lot of players will have Edmonton on a low trade list, and not just Edmonton, but Canada. So anything you report on, you're going to have to find out if it can happen without the player's permission. Like that doesn't mean it can't happen, but it adds another layer to it. So. That's one thing here. The Bennington thing, he makes more than Campbell. Um, you know, unless, like, one of the reasons I think people are kind of connecting the dots to Montreal is Montreal doesn't need another goalie. They have two other ones if they make a move. So you've got a situation there where in St. Louis, if, if they're going to trade Bennington, if, then they're, they're going to need another goalie. And I don't think the Oilers are trading Skinner. I don't think the Blues are taking Campbell. So it's a really complicated deal at getting from salary. Like, I'm not saying it's impossible. I've learned over the years that anything can happen. But you're going to have to show me how you can make that work. Um, you know, do I think they're looking around? Yeah, I, I do. I think they're the, – you know, people can argue about how close they are or aren't. But I think you'd have to be insane to believe they aren't doing their legwork. Um. Okay, on to uh, benching. So, Timo Meyer, Jonathan Huberdeau, Johnny Gaudreau, among some of the big-name, big-ticket guys that have found themselves sitting for lengthy periods of time already this year. Does this, uh, does this speak to the need to win early in this league now, or does it feel like, and this is kind of a maybe a wilder look at it, that coaches have gained some power back? Because it felt like for the longest time that, you know, players didn't like coaches and coaches were out the door. Maybe that's not the case anymore. Um, I, I think this, I think there's a lot of pressure, Marchese. I think there's a lot of pressure around the league. Um, I think that teams know that, you know, yes, it's a long season and you shouldn't panic. And I feel strongly about that as much as anybody, but the history of this league is if you fall behind early, you don't make the playoffs. Like, um, you know, like I wrote about it today. I keep a November 1st stat. In 82 game seasons in the salary cap era, there have been 66 teams, I think it is, that have been four points out after games on November 1st. Nine have made the playoffs. And so, like, that's, like that's, that's the truth. Like, the, the loser point makes it very hard to catch up if you fall behind and last year the teams in that space went 0 for 4 so I think there's a ton of pressure uh, I think teams know that bad starts you, it's very hard to overcome and that's why I think everybody talks about you know making sure you come out you set the tone and you come out of the gate very well yeah, certainly a lot of pressure on these teams to make the playoffs, especially ones that haven't been in a while. That is, that's a massive one. Um, 
Patrick Kane. So what uh, what are you hearing on when he might be able to play and, and which teams do you think are kind of circling the waters now for his services? Because I remember the talk about November being kind of a target date after he had the hip surgery. Um, what's the latest on Patrick Kane and what teams do you think are, are, are looking at him right now? Well, I, like I, I, I've heard about eight. Um, the challenge I think is what someone said to me is it's more about who Kane is interested in than who's interested in him. Um, you know, like, for example, one of the th- teams I think Kane likes is Dallas. Like a lot of teams, they're really tight to the cap. Um, and I think that at some point, Dallas might prioritize their defense. So is that a match? I'm not sure. I don't want to say no, but I'm not sure. So I think it's more because, like, I think he's looking at teams who he thinks can win. Who are the teams that uh, he thinks can win the Stanley Cup? Like, I think, for example, I think Colorado's been kind of around there, like, thinking about the possibility of it. And, you know, they could use another forward. There's no question about that. I mean, who couldn't lose Kane if he was ready to go? I know people have wanted about Detroit. I know people have wanted about Buffalo, um, you know, um, the Rangers. Like, I know Toronto's been mentioned, but the way Toronto's playing right now, like, if, if, if King's basing this on where he thinks he can win, and he is, I'm just not sure that that makes any sense. So, to me, the question is not who's interested in him. The question is who is he interested in. Now, the other caveat to all of this is, is what kind of a deal do you think he gets here? We all assume it's going to be a one-year deal, and and maybe it's a two-year deal that ends up getting it done because somebody wants him really bad, whatever the case may be. But the problem is, is that a lot of these good teams, like you mentioned, are up against the cap. Could you see him signing a cheaper deal, like a vet minimum deal, just for the rest of this season? Or do you see, like, a really, you know, bonus-laden contract for it to get it done? Well, I, I would expect people to try to be creative, as creative as they can. Um, if you look at Patrick Kane's uh, age, um, Patrick Kane is 34 years old. And I don't believe he's missed. Like, so he doesn't qualify for the bonuses um, on that way. You have to be 35 to fall, to qualify for those bonuses. So, and now I'm just checking off the top of my head about how many games he's missed due to injury. Like, well, he'll be, he he'll be, thir- he'll be 35 uh, on the 19th of November. Doesn't matter. So it's, 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 it's what, it's what you are when the year starts? July 1st. Oh, okay. Yeah. July, July 1st is the start of the, of the league calendar year. So he, he doesn't count as well as 35. Um, so, and I don't believe he's missed enough games to qualify for the bonuses. I should double check that. Um, like there, there is a bonus threshold you can get if you've missed a lot of games the past couple of years, but he's generally played. So I don't think he qualifies for that. So I'm, you know, like I'm sure people are going to try to be creative as much as they can, uh, to figure it out, whether it's a signing bonus or something else. But the big challenge with signing bonuses is because they start in the middle of it's it hasn't started at the beginning of the year as contract, your cap it actually goes up. 
where signing bonuses are involved. So it's tricky, but that's why I think that it's going to be about winning more than anything else because he knows that there's a limit to what good teams can do. Like, how many good teams in this league have cap room? It's not very many. It's a very short. No. It's a short list of teams, period, that have cap room, let alone good teams that have cap room. Yep. Yep. All right. So speaking of cap room, so yesterday we saw a deal made, and and I know Minnesota is they have their cap issues, and and that's it's going to be tough uh, for this year and next year. But they moved Kalen Addison to San Jose for Adam Raskin and a fifth round pick. I really like the deal for Addison and for San Jose. And was this just a matter of wanting to add a different type of defenseman and find room for Zach Bogosian here? Or, or like I'm trying to figure out because I feel like that kind of value back for Kalen Addison maybe. You know, maybe not enough, but that's the deal that Minnesota made. Well, you know, they were, it just didn't work between Addison and Minnesota. And that doesn't mean it can't work for Addison. I think San Jose is a perfect place for him to go. But it, it, it just is, it's obvious that the, that it just wasn't going to work there. And I think that Minnesota had tried all summer to move him. Like, I don't think Bill Guerin's dealing him for that. Like, oh, yesterday he wakes up and says, I'm doing this. This is all I can get. Um, I think he has been looking at it for quite some time. And, you know, he just realized that that's where the market was. And time will tell about, you know, what, and we'll see in years to come if Minnesota made a big mistake here. Like, here's a talented kid. He can move the puck. He can run a power play. And one of the things I was seeing yesterday from some of the people who cover Minnesota more than I do is because they went to a five-forward power play, there really wasn't a role for Addison there. And so he gets a chance to go to San Jose and, and, and he'll play there. Like they need guys like him. They need to, those are the kinds of guys that the Sharks should be acquiring. Bogosian is someone that Garen really likes. He fits their identity. The Wild have a pretty unique identity as far as the NHL goes. He fits it. Um, they, they had tried to claim, they thought about claiming him on waivers, but they're so tight to the cap, they needed to remove Addison's money before they could do it. And, you know, I, uh, like, they, like, Bogosian wasn't playing in Tampa. He, he wanted to play. His brother works there. He fits what Minnesota wants. Um, a couple more things before we let you go here. One, uh, Joel Quenville. Now, you put in your 32 thoughts that you thought maybe some teams would at least ask about Joel Quenville if they were, you know, looking at making a coaching change. Obviously, this latest lawsuit has put things on hold. Um, yep. As this thing, I know it's and I know it's kind of early and it's really hard to say, but as this thing progresses, is there a route back to Joel Quen, uh, back to the NHL for Joel Quenville here, or or does that feel like a really steep climb right now? Well, I, look, I, I think people ask at the it's up to the NHL, and to this point in time, the NHL hasn't said yes. Now, Quenville and Stan Bowman addressed the general managers and the coaches uh, before the season, and. One of the things I heard was that one of the messages that they gave, that I know the coaches and managers there really understood or really hit home with them, was that it's not enough anymore to say, well, I was told by my superior uh, that they would handle it and I didn't need to worry about it. And, you know, that's kind of the thing that they talked about. And I know that message uh, really resonated because a few people told me about it. Um, But the thing is, like, Honestly, Matt, like, as you said, there's another lawsuit right now, and we don't know where this is going to go. So, 
Um, you know, I think it's kind of hard to answer that question until we see how this uh, how this goes. Um, you know, if you read the Block and Jenner report, and I reread it uh, this weekend, um, you know, you can see what was reported at the time, what the report said in this particular case. And I think what everybody is waiting to see is if, as we go through this, does anything new come up that would... Um, that would change the equation. So I don't know. And I don't like speculating about this kind of thing. Sure. It's not like a, a trade room or anything like that. We've just got to let the facts play out and, and see where they take us. Okay. Uh, last but not least here. Uh, so the NBA has an agreement with Diamond Sports uh, about some of their regional rights and getting some money back. Um, and yep. for those that don't know, Diamond Sports owns Bally Sports, who uh, filed for bankruptcy earlier this year. How does this affect the NHL going forward and the teams that have deals with Valley Sports? Well, I, I th- right now, so the so basically last year, um, you know, as you said, they went into they went into bankruptcy protection, and Valley's kept some of the rights and paid them, and other teams they didn't keep the rights. Like for example, all the Arizona teams that they had, the Suns, the Diamondbacks, and now the Coyotes, uh, they gave the rights back. And, you know, Arizona created their own over-the-air channel. Uh, Vegas created their own over-the-air channel, and their numbers have been really good uh, this year. So what the NBA teams did is I think there were 15 or 16 NBA teams, I can't remember, that Valleys had the rights to, and they made a deal that is being approved by the judges right now that means that the NBA teams would get everything by, I think, 15% of their what was owed to them. So they're getting 85% of their money from Valleys to air their games this year. Now, as part of it, they get to take 10 of those games and sell them over the air to hopefully make up for the money they've lost. And the other thing here is that all of the NBA rights for the, are up after this year. So the NBA can now add those local broadcast rights to their overall rights fee uh, if they want to, a rights package if they want to. So basically what that tells you is that if you're an NHL team, I think there's now 12 NHL teams that deal with valleys. Like you're looking at that and saying, I wonder if that's going to be the kind of deal that we're going to be striking too. Like one team in the story in Sports Business Journal is Orlando, they they were owed, a, as of November 1st, they hadn't been paid any of their rights money yet, and I think they just got it, some of it. So, you know, it's, like, it's a cash flow thing. It's a concern for these teams, no question about it, but that's just an idea of what the big picture is. Uh, something definitely to keep an eye on. Uh, Elliot, thanks so much for doing this today, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day, and we'll chat with you tomorrow. All right, Matt, have a great uh, have a great day.